0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey gang, quick bit of housekeeping for you before we start the show, and this is only relevant to those of you who listen to us on the Apple Podcast app or via Apple. So if you don't move along, as the great Obi Wan Kenobi would say, nothing to see here. But if you do listen to us via Apple. Listen carefully, particularly if you're an old school listener of the show. Before we became the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN, when we were the NFL show, you would have got the show updated when we moved without having to do a thing. But that's because the old show had a divert put on it. So to check, you'll subscribe to the new feed because the old one is going to go pretty soon. Check out the Nat Coombe Show. Search for it on the app via the podcast browse section or the store section. If you're looking on the desktop and find our show. And see if it shows whether you're subscribed or not. If you are, great. You're on the right feed. If you're not, hit subscribe and delete the old one. So head on over, not in your library, but actually onto Apple. Search The Nat Coombe Show. Make sure you're subscribed to the feed that you find. Simple. Good luck. Hello and welcome to The Nat Coombe Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us. Greg Brady dropping by very shortly to get us all up to speed On the latest stories from the NFL, Tom Brady dominating proceedings at the moment is the great one. Moving on, finally, from Foxborough, and where is he going to land? Lots of other rumblings and rumors flying around. We'll try and separate the hype from the reality and get you on top of everything that you need to know. Speaking of which, Tom Lugenbill from ESPN joins us a little bit later on in the show with all the latest from the XFL, which you can watch, incidentally, over here in the UK, that is, on ESPN. TV and ESPN players who can get your the picks each and every week, even in the NFL offseason. Right then, let's get straight down to business and say hello again to the great Greg Brady. Greg Brady, is good to hear your voice.
1: It's good to talk NFL. We're, we're uh, in an intriguing offseason. We're uh, just getting rolling, seeing where everybody lands. The schedule, I think, is fascinating. Do you think they're waiting to see where Tom Brady goes before they even talk about Sunday night football? and who gets uh, the Tennessee Titans, yeah. if they get Tom Brady in <laughs> that, probably get a lot more, just maybe, maybe it's me, just a lot more prime time games, maybe on Sunday evenings, that if uh, <laughs> they're going to wreck your sleep schedule, as opposed to if Ryan Tannehill the quarterback there. I think Hey, realize,
0: leave uh, Tannehill yeah. alone, but I take your point, I'll <laughs> sneak out. Uh, Well, Let's talk about both of those straight off the bat, because there are two players, particularly Brady, as you allude to, that have been uh, dominating the headlines really for, for most of the offseason, and if anything, the story is picking up, picking up real pace, particularly with the latest development since our show last week, that Mm. San Francisco could be a a possible destination. I've even heard some people outlandishly suggesting that a swap deal for Jimmy Garoppolo could be on on the card. (laughs) As our friend Greg Rosenthal pointed out, uh, of course, they share the same agent. So it isn't perhaps as outlandish as it might seem. But it seems to all intents and purposes, Greg, that Brady is going to be moving on from New England.
1: That's my that's my sense of it as well. I know we talked after they were eliminated by the uh, by the Tennessee Titans, and it just felt like, well, you know, just one of those years. And they they've gone in the last three Super Bowls, won the AFC title so many times, and you couldn't see it. But then you start to you know you start to hear the whispers and read the tea leaves a little bit. Like, why is this taking so long? Why you know why has no one spoken out? Many of the current New England Patriots players aren't willing to speak out uh and then just this past weekend right we've got tom brady and julian edelman at a syracuse college ba- basketball oh, game and they're how, facetiming oh, could... mike Bra like i don't know what the rules are i guess they can't talk contract i guess they're allowed to contact mike vrabel and vice versa the tennessee titans head coach but that's uh you know <laughs> tennessee wasn't a team i thought of nat and and san fran I see what's there, but I also, boy, for, for Jimmy Garoppolo won 15 games counting playoffs, and, yeah. you know, the the Super Bowl goes, you know, the 49ers get a stop here or a stop there, and he's a Super Bowl champion. I, like, that's the narrow margin, and I think – But on that, I mean, that's seen...
0: a really good point because I've heard this narrative come up in relation to that specific opportunity for, for Brady, if it is one, a possible destination for Brady. Would the 49ers – would Brady have got that job done? Would Brady have hit Sardis? Would Brady have closed the Super Bowl down for the 49ers?
1: Yeah. I mean, you'd like to think that that Tom Brady – would you would have taken Tom Brady rather than Jimmy G going into that game. Jimmy G, I think there's a ton of potential there, and I think he's got some weapons. Uh, San, But San Francisco's really – their bread and butter is their defense right now. Their bread and butter is getting the ball away from the offense being ball hawk team getting turnovers getting interceptions and more importantly putting garoppolo in great field position they had i think it was a top right. three uh, mark in terms of when they got to start with the ball um and and oftentimes on the other team's side of the field because of how great the 49ers defense was so but but it's a lot of diminishing returns we we, we did see mm-hmm. a different tom brady last year than the year before and certainly than the year before that so yeah, you, you know, as a straight up trade, I think it's nuts for the 49ers because yeah. I can understand it with Tennessee thinking we've got a small window here. We want to take advantage of our, of our division in the AFC South, which isn't a strong division. So Tom Brady makes sense to be in Nashville. I, I, I just, I just don't know about giving up on Jimmy G. I think they've got their quarterback for the next decade and, and they should, and they should roll with him.
0: I, I'm definitely a Jimmy G apologist. So I'm with you on that, that I think he, the long-term future Makes sense. Makes more sense with him, and I think this uh, idea in it, and again, the whole recency biased narrative that flows in that because he didn't get it done in clutch in a clutch situation, uh, I, but not just that, not just the not just the Super Bowl, but the build up to it, of course, which was complete and rife. I guess particularly because he was being compared uh, so unfavorably with Mahomes, but that he's the weak link. Can they get it done despite Garoppolo, which seemed to ignore a lot of the stats, a lot of the clutch performances throughout the season, this idea that Garoppolo can't go toe-to-toe in a shootout. Well, that's nonsense. Look at the New Orleans game. And I've always mm-hmm. liked him as a player. So I'm with you 100% on that. With the Titans and Tannehill, I'm not so sure I feel uh, it's not exactly the same because obviously Tannehill is much older. So his long-term future probably isn't um, as as prolonged or as rosy as, as uh, GBG. Although, you know, in this day and age, when quarterbacks are playing late into their 30s, you never know. But... I think Tannehill's similar kind of thing here. This idea that the Titans were a run-first team. They were all about Henry and an efficient defense that are well-coached. And they were winning. Despite Tannehill, he's a game manager. Don't buy that either. I think Tannehill had had an excellent season. And and, uh, I'm not sure whether it would be an upgrade at quarterback there. I'm interested in your theory about the window, though. And flipping that back Mm -hmm. to San Francisco for a moment. Because if you assume that Brady had an off-season by his standards because the Patriots offensively did and he didn't really have enough around him and he still got the ability to perform at a typical Brady level, do you think that the 49ers might look at it and think we've got two years with this team before it dismantles uh, and be looking at it in those terms? And and even though it seems irrational to move on from a long-term proposition like Garoppolo, who could be their quarterback for 10 years, they, they might go for broke.
1: Yeah, it, f- it feels like San Fran is a team that, that, you know, could do that, would add some pieces. And, and again, let's talk about the division too, because I think San Francisco mm-hmm. must have that on their mind to some extent that, that that was a little bit of an offseason for the LA Rams. Jared Goff, I, I think you yeah. and I both like Jared Goff as well. It's a strong yeah. young quarterback, top half of the league. I, I think he's a debatable top 10 quarterback, uh, weekend in and, and weekend out. And nobody mm-hmm. was complaining about him, uh, after he outdueled Drew Brees. In the second half and in overtime to get them to the Super Bowl, yeah. you know, a year and a half ago. Um, but a lot went wrong, you know, and Aaron Donald, maybe the best defensive player. So there's, there's a window there for the Rams too. And I think, you know, most people would have to look at Russell Wilson. As long as Russell Wilson's there in Seattle, you're, you're almost guaranteed an eight, nine win season. The question is, you know, is, are the intangibles that are there, are the support pieces there going to push you up to 10 or 11 wins? So it's remarkably competitive for San Francisco. And I think they have to look around the league and go, the, there's some things that you know is Dallas going to figure it out is are Green Bay going to take that extra step and be even better than they were last year in Aaron Rodgers last few years mm-hmm. as potentially a good a great quarterback because I, I don't think we thought Aaron Rodgers had an elite 2019 by any sense of the word the question is but his team bounced back because he had a lot more support around him different coach different atmosphere so I think San Francisco Has to look at this and, and feel really compelled to, to make smart moves in free agency. Uh, maybe smart moves at the draft. They may be a team that, that trades up though. There's no obvious need for them. Uh, remember, you know, remember the wins they had last year and there, and there was still a lot of doom and gloom. People thought, oh, maybe, you know, they had a really bad 2019 with the Jimmy G injury. Or 2018 with the Jimmy G injury, and maybe they'll be that that borderline borderline playoff team. Like we were linking yeah. the 49ers with the Bears, we were linking them with with maybe even the uh, you know the Dallas Cowboys with uh, uh, with the Detroit Lions, who some people like to yeah. make the playoffs and, and sneak. Because Garoppolo so, had a
0: bad off season as well and preseason, so yeah. as well that didn't help, did it, going into the year.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, we definitely read into uh, the off season, And and I think what hurt him going into the Super Bowl to double back on that is just how, how, you know, machine-like the Niners were in terms of taking down the Packers. I know Green Bay made a late run and everyone's like, well, you know, Jimmy G only 11 or 12 passes, but that's all really he had to do. And <laughs> right. had he needed, had, had it been required for him to throw the ball 28, 30 times, you mentioned, you made a great point about the Saints game. When he's gotten in into shootouts, He's done pretty okay, to be perfectly honest, and and still a developing quarterback. So I I think it's nuts for the 49ers even to dangle him or consider uh, another option. And I I, I love Tom Brady, who doesn't, but at 42-43, it's just not a a swap in, swap out I'd make right now if I'm San Francisco. Tennessee, to come back to them, a little more of a thought there. Ryan Tannehill, as you mentioned, is 31. They are run first offense with Derrick Henry. But it's it's a good window for them in the AFC because New England does have that sense of uncertainty around it. Buffalo's rising up. Uh, what's what are the Chargers like without Philip Rivers? What are the Raiders like at all if they move off Derek Carr? So so many ups and downs uh, with with teams in the AFC. That Tennessee should uh, Tennessee should really try and make a move, solidify the quarterback position. Uh, you know, again, yeah, you're more into Tannehill than I am, but he got settled in, and, and I think he did matter last year because you wouldn't have made the switch from Marcus Mariota to him if you didn't think it was going to have an impact, and it did.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then they were the definition, really, of, of cohesion and team cohesion, perhaps above individual talent. You know, Henry notwithstanding, obviously, but in you look across that team, and to the most part, there aren't necessarily a cluster of superstars per se, but they were, you know, one of the best in show because they played – coached so well but played so efficiently as a team as well so i think they'll be loaded to break that up let's let's follow drew and rob play a minute on the brady situation and assume he does go and additional reports over the last 24 48 hours greg seem to indicate when you hear about what a lot of the insiders were listening to and hearing at the combine and there is a lot of intel that gets kicked around there and i know a lot of it is rumor mongering and gossip and everything else but there are a lot of people that have a lot of insight into what will play out and there seem to be uniformly the perception that brady is going and you underpin that with reports nfl network covered this i think nbc boston as well that belichick and brady had a, a phone call that wasn't particularly productive i think was the quote from nbc boston uh the boston mm-hmm. herald said that call didn't go well <laughs> so it's not exactly <laughs> It's not exactly filling uh, Patriots fans with confidence that Brady will stay. So assuming he goes wherever he lands, where does new England go next in the quarterback position?
1: It's a fantastic question. Uh, I don't think there's a trade up in the draft. Uh, and I, and I think they look at some of the older quarterbacks that are out on the market, uh, like Phillip rivers, for example. And, and I just don't think there's interest there. I think again, they want something, Bill Belichick's going to want something, you know, that, that isn't a quick fix. And what, it really says something about his rep and his, you know, reputation. Cause we're going to have the, you know, who was more important, Belichick or Brady to this remarkable 21 year right. dynasty that we're just not likely to see again, uh, in this league, uh, in our lifetime or maybe ever. But you see, Bill Belichick at age 67, I, I figure he only wants to do this one more time. He only wants to, you know, he's had the same quarterback since he was in his, his mid forties. So it's mm. hard to, hard to figure that. Uh, I, I often look at a guy like Jacoby Brissett, and I don't know whether Brissett is—he's very familiar with New England. He was a quarterback that stepped in right behind Jimmy G. Remember when Brady was suspended the four games for Deflategate? He stepped in um, and and had to replace Jimmy Garoppolo and yeah. w- and won a game. But that's a long step from being able to you know g- develop the chemistry with Julian Edelman, the the, the chemistry with everybody that, uh, that that the Patriots want to utilize going forward. And and they're fascinating too. They've clearly for the for full on moved on from Josh Gordon now after he had two opportunities there. I don't know. Maybe Rob Gronkowski is way less likely to come back out of retirement if Tom Brady's not a New England Patriots. That, maybe yeah. Rob Gronkowski wants to play where Tom Brady plays. He, you know, you remember <laughs> right.
2: he, he sniffed wow.
1: at, at rumors that the Lions and, and Matt Patricia were trying to get Rob Gronkowski and the element was, well I, I, I just I'll quit. If I, if I can't play with Tom Brady as my quarterback, I won't play NFL football. Now he's not right now But that's another spanner in the works is is whether Gronkowski would try and orchestrate a move to play with Tom Brady, but not in Foxborough. Brissette's one name that that comes up.
0: Brissette's um, interesting because, you know, just before I, I, I flex on him, just you got me thinking. It's a great point. Brady, Gronk, Vegas. My God. Sunday Night Football Opener. I mean, incredible. Um, <laughs> I, we will go there, Greg. I promise if that happens. I'm committing to this right now. I don't care about professional commitments I have, or anything else, we will do the show live from there. Um, <laughs> Brissette had a great year for the first half of the year before he got injured. I mean, he was, I remember vividly, a number of smart cookies talking about the early MVP discussion. So when it isn't completely mm-hmm. ridiculous, when you're kind of six, seven weeks in, and I don't think anybody was feasibly or credibly calling Jacoby Brissett a serious MVP candidate but he was definitely well you know he's on the in the same way Matt Stafford was being talked to you know he's he's having a good old season he's he's not in the Deshaun Watson level of clutch play and keeping things alive and but he's you know cut from the same cloth in that style and Brissett was earning I think quite a lot of plaudits and a lot of respect early on last season then it all went downhill of course.
1: Totally. Yeah. And, and I'll give you two, you know, two more names past for a set that, uh, And one is obviously remarkably intriguing that, that you make a phone call about. But it, it may also be more of a short term situation. I'll give you a short term and a long term. The short term for me is you investigate Carolina and Cam Newton. And right. the idea of Cam Newton being a New England Patriot is a fascinating one. Again, how does he fit? Is he more of a, a guy that, that fits into a system? He's tremendously dangerous. Uh, but, but how are the legs? How is the arm? How is the shoulder? Um, they, they, you know, the Panthers clearly moved in a very quick direction away from Ron Rivera, who's now in Washington. Yeah. So does Cam Newton thrive under a new head coach and, and, you know, uh, that is not, great not, point. not having the... Christian McCaffrey anymore as a safety valve to, to hand off that... to or throw to
0: it's it, on Cam Newton. It's such a great point you make because uh going back to the combine and intel coming out matthew berry our friend of course uh mm-hmm. was there and wrote a great piece which is over on espn.com to have a read of the things he 20 odd things he picked out from uh with the word on the street and one of them was about cam newton his position was this is matthew's position was although the Panthers are very publicly saying they're behind Newton. They want to go forward with Newton. He said that's not the vibe he got at all. And the sense he got was if a team made a decent offer, they would look at it and they might have their their head turned. And he underpinned that by saying Ron Rivera absolutely loves Cam. So this idea that Newton is a lock for the Panthers next season, I think despite what the, the franchise is saying is far from... Uh, far from true. And I wonder that would be fascinating. So Cam Neaton has won them. Who's the other one you were thinking of? Uh,
1: and, and this is more a long-term one. And I think this player is right now in the scenario Nat, that where Jimmy Garoppolo was, uh, waiting this out to see where it all goes. And that's Teddy Bridgewater. That's Teddy right. Bridgewater in New Orleans sitting behind Drew Brees with, with rumors that Drew Brees might retire. That, then it makes it obvious. The Saints go all in on, on Teddy Bridgewater. But what if Breeze wants to play not just one more year, but two more years? Do they, Teddy Bridgewater is a free agent and he doesn't have to sign with New Orleans if he doesn't want to? Uh, you know, boy, that, that, that would be awfully intriguing if you get that, if that's the phone call from Bill Belichick to say, We're moving on off of Tom Brady, but we want to build the New England Patriots for the next half decade around you, Teddy Bridgewater. I'm, how do you not listen with, with the Super Bowl pedigree, with the idea of going to work with Josh McDaniel? There's a ton of, of intrigue there. If the Saints, like it's hard, the Saints are are also strapped against the salary cap. They pay a huge thing, a huge uh, cap to Michael Thomas. They've got defensive players they're really locked in with. So you can't play, pay Breeze you know, premium dollars for the next year or two and also pay Teddy Bridgewater 15, $16 million to sit on the sidelines. And this right. is a good time for him to cash in one way or the other.
0: Yeah, definitely would be selling high, wouldn't it? It's a great shot. A couple of other names that are going to be around. You think uh, foals, probably, although the word on the street is that the Jags might be quite open to going into camp and have a quarterback battle. This idea that Gardner Minshew is the anointed one isn't necessarily as clear-cut as maybe some people are suggesting. That's what what I'm hearing. But Foles, you would think, again, if the if the price is right, the offer's there, that wow. they'll, they'll deal. Dalton as well, by all accounts, the, the Bengals are going to go borrow, so mm-hmm. Dalton will be on the market. And Carr as well. We mentioned the Raiders. It, clearly, Gruden doesn't fancy him. Arguably, has never has and uh, could be shopping around i suppose the other one too is, is Jameis winston because the yeah is that arians isn't sold on moving forwards with with James winston so there are going to be a lot of quarterbacks currently in the nfl that that could be available as well of course as the as the gang that are coming in through the draft
1: well, two things right there. One, uh, you're, I know you're not willing. You have to change the color of your Minshew Mania t-shirt to Patriots colors instead of Jags colors. Uh, you know, the <laughs> one you wear weekly around, around your office. But like Minshew Mania in Boston might become a, he might have one of the most famous Boston mustaches ever in sports He's history. Made like,
2: He's made Yeah, it. yeah.
1: It, it, it. But Winston would also be, you know, would, would we talk about the touchdown interception ratio? Would he get to 40 and 40? Would he be like, uh, you know, <laughs> instead of 30 and 30 touchdowns right. and interceptions, would he be in the 40 and 40 range just, just you know, just slinging back and throwing as deep as he could? That's an interesting what one. What a season but...
0: that would be if he did, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing season. Yeah,
1: I, I know. It doesn't – like there's something that doesn't mesh right now because I think Bill Belichick likes accuracy and I think he likes smart decision-making, yeah. not just on yeah. the field but off the field. So it's – but you know what? Bill Belichick loves to challenge. Winston – like we talked about Tannehill at 31 – Jameis Winston's only 26. Like, there's still some clay, I think, to be molded there. I, I think that even with Marcus Mariota. M- Marcus Mariota may need that, uh, you know, typical change of scenery and be able right. to go somewhere and-, and push for a starting job. I-, I, wouldn't- I wouldn't surrender the concept of that. If you're, you know, you're asking, um, there's a Miami Dolphins fan uh, from the past. There's me. If-, if I'm interested in seeing if Marcus Mariota can reinvent himself in Miami, I'd like to look at that, yeah, Yeah, because you know what you've got in Ryan Fitzpatrick. If it's if it's Fitz magic again in twenty twenty, and the Dolphins don't draft Tua at number five, they're telling you that that you know that they're in on the Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence. I think that's what they're telling you if Ryan Fitzpatrick is back. Unfortunately for the Dolphins, Fitzpatrick was better than they thought, and he won more games than they (laughs) thought. They're drafting fifth instead of first or second.
0: Yeah, something you made me think of actually when you were mentioning earlier that Belichick's probably only got one more dance, you think, given his age and. I don't think you were meaning one more season, but one more, one more incarnation of this Patriots side. I wonder whether right. that is affecting or might affect his decision making. And it, it's an intriguing point that he, this is probably his last hurrah, right? The team he built. Well, down. well and Cam,
1: yeah, and Cam feels a lot more win now. If you have a healthy Cam yeah. Newton, that's the pick. Teddy Bridgewater, I, I think, could be competitive right now. Like, yep. this, this is the struggle with wondering about quarterbacks. Like, there's this great debate, obviously, about the Lions and whether, you know, they're like, whether they, they should be drafting two out of Alabama at three. And, and but there's a lot of cap hit with Matt Stafford, but Matt, quarterbacking has never been the problem in Detroit. The playoffs start every year, Nat. And although we're going to go to 14 someday, 12 playoff teams every year. I bet you if you, if you froze time and you said, how many quarterbacks would Get get rid of their guy right now, going into the playoffs, and 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 take a healthy Matthew Stafford. Four or five teams would most years. They really would. I, I don't yeah. think Matt Stafford's been the issue in Detroit. So I, you know, and and I don't think I I, I don't think Tua is is going to end up there. So if he slips to Miami, uh then you've got a whole run of young quarterbacks in that division. You got Tua. You got Josh Allen. And you've got Sam Darnold. So it, it's, yeah. and New England gets those quarterbacks six times a year out of 16. Um, the quarterback's right. position is still going to matter. See, I think I've talked myself out of Jacoby Brissett into Cam Newton, it, but I know the price so. will be, the price will be much, much higher in a trade with, with the Panthers.
0: The one final thing it will be, that's a very good point. The one final thing on, it, on this is we're talking about the, the quarterback you might go for in terms of who is more of a sure thing, a reliable option, a win now option. But this, Patriots offense has kind of lost its way a bit I mean we referenced it earlier on that definitely amongst the weakest since the the Belichick era certainly in the McDaniels era in in terms of personnel and weapons and it didn't really have a huge identity as a result you know look in the past yes there hasn't necessarily been a reliance on number one receivers very often you know the Randy Moss season notwithstanding or period notwithstanding but most of these teams have had an identity at uh, offensively when they had both um, Gronk and, and Aaron Hernandez. And then latterly, obviously, Gronk and that role there and uh, m- plugging in running backs that were getting a job done and Wes Welker to Edelman mm-hmm. and different kinds of players that you, what you were getting with the Patriots. I don't think we know that at the moment, do we? It's not just the quarterback situation they've got to fix. They've got to add two or three pieces to to the mix as well.
1: Yeah, and, and that number one receiver, uh, I think you hit yeah. on it is, if, especially if there's no Gronk and especially if the tight end is, isn't going to be an option as it, as it always was with Gronk, as it was certainly with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez those years, you're, you're going to have to look because no Josh Gordon there. Uh, they've obviously tried to plug in holes before in the Belichick era with you know, Dante Stallworth for a couple of years. They tried mm-hmm. Chad Johnson. Uh, that didn't work out. So I think of a guy like Emmanuel Sanders who, Who showed he's got some, something left. Uh, you know, obviously had a terrible injury with the torn Achilles, but was a, was a big factor, uh, for the 49ers coming back. Um, there's, there, you know, Randall Cobb's even somebody I would look at after, uh, you know, I know he's, you know, they just signed the one year with Dallas, but he's out there. He was a bargain last year for the Cowboys. I think he made only around two or three million dollars. So I think they need somebody maybe in their, in their, you know, low thirties. That is uh, age-wise, that you know can comp- and then what do you do with Philip Dorsett? That's a really intriguing right. question. Um, he's a pretty key free agent, um, but you know did have uh, you, know, you know five touchdowns last year for the Patriots. Their their wide receiver depth is going to be vital if they've moved mm-hmm. off Tom Brady, and even if Tom Brady's back. Uh, for, you know, season number 22 in New England, uh, I, I can tell you their, their receiving game has to step up a little bit. They were not fully armed uh, with, with, with the proper arsenal going into the season to play against a lot of those good secondaries in the AFC.
0: Greg, I'm going to dive into the mailbag before we say goodbye to you, because uh, we've got yeah. some goodies in here, and I want to get your perspective on them. Uh, at the NC Show, incidentally, here's how you get in touch with the show, as you well know. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, fire them in. Uh, we'll find them, and we will get into as many of them as we can during the off-seasons. So anything that is on your mind, send them over. Uh, Rakesh, good to hear from you. Uh, he asks, who surprised you at the Combine, Greg? Who stood out for you at the Combine? Well, uh, two is one
1: name, uh, that I, I, I look at because they're not able to see what he can do physically right now. But I think what you look for in a quarterback is a presence to a great extent. And he's got that and he's got maturity. He's got leadership. People who questioned that a little bit with Baker Mayfield or, or maybe even questioned it with Josh Allen when that was coming around in, yeah, uh, right. in 2018. You know, those were big factors, uh, right there. There's, uh, you know, and, and obviously Chase Young, uh, has cemented himself. The, uh, you know the edge rusher for Ohio State. That's you know I I, I kind of feel like the top two picks are set in stone. That Cincinnati's mm-hmm. going Joe Burrow and Washington would go uh, would go Chase Young with number two because I, I I don't even think I, I I thought I read that Ron Rivera didn't even look at Tua for a pre-draft workout. Um right. and Dwayne Haskins, look, they, they've got to stick with Dwayne Haskins, sign that edge rusher. Sure. I, I yeah Chase Young was uh, to,
0: to call time on Dwayne Haskins. Some people were suggesting they might have done. It's crazy town. He's only played. 10 oh here.
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember that being the case when, uh, when the Rams had the number two pick. Remember the, the luck RG3 year? They traded out yep. of number two. But yep. There were some people even speculating that after one year of Sam Bradford and, and ultimately, it, it, you know, I suppose you could say it didn't work out for Sam Bradford in LA and a lot of injuries here and a lot of injuries there. But that they traded a lot out of offensive coordinators
0: as well. I think he had a new coordinator every year for about, yes. <laughs> for about ten years. Yeah,
1: his I think his claim to fame is he. I think he had this remarkable completion percentage one year, like where he was like almost seventy percent in terms of completions. Uh, and I can't remember if that was his Eagles year or not. But either way, right. Sam Bradford had a remarkable run uh, with uh, with with completion percentage.
0: Um. So th- uh, thanks for that, Rakesh. Um, Richard Adams, which if any team he asks, will try to go higher in the draft. So can you see anyone, uh, cutting a deal and try to shoot up the board a little bit to get them match? Yeah.
1: We've seen it the last few years. We saw, obviously, the the Jets do it to go get Sam Darnold. We saw, or rather, we saw the Giants do it, I should say, to go get Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, you know, I, I don't think the Jaguars are going, are that kind of team. They're sitting at nine right now, but mm-hmm. I don't know that they love anybody enough to, to move on up. Arizona's a team I could see who I was talking with a couple of guys from Arizona last week uh, and Larry Fitzgerald. And though they like they like Jerry Judy, the receiver from Alabama, and they could probably yeah. get him at 10 overall. They yeah. also know they need a ton of the, the, the Cardinals need a ton of help on defense. So whether it's looking at getting, you know, Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson, could they get the cornerback uh, Jeff Okuda out of Ohio State, Chase Chase Young's teammate? Arizona might be a team that might try and penetrate that top three, top four. Uh, but I, I think it, it's a really rich draft this year. It's not a deep draft for quarterbacks. We know that, but I think it's a deep draft for defensive talent. And if you need help there and you need guys to, to step right in and, you know, maybe have a, have a pro bowl season and, and help you a ton as a, as a young player, this is the year to go get that player. So I think Arizona would think about it. I think uh, Jacksonville would think about it. The Raiders always want to make a splash, don't they? I mean, the trade for Antonio Brown last year and they sit at number 12 heading yeah. to Vegas. Um, I, that'd be really something if John Gruden could, uh, cause he had to make pay, he had to pay obviously, uh, to get into, uh, the Antonio Brown sweepstakes. That'd be really interesting if the Raiders pushed up and got into the top five or six.
0: Uh, you mentioned, uh, Isaiah Simmons. What a combine he had and most notably his 439. Mm-hmm. 40-yard dash, which is extraordinary for a linebacker, the second best of any linebacker uh since 2003 that's the the kind of speed we're talking about here what would your that, that is my, Eisendu- that's
1: my carl that's my carlson speed are you kidding and I, I'm, I'm not <laughs> I was, I'm saying Mike
0: carlson was watching rich eisen do his annual his annual video and uh, mildly impressive it was once again i wonder what it it got me thinking about all the regulars on this show and uh over the years on nfl uk broadcast who would come out the speedy carlson still <laughs> got still got the magic
1: Yeah. I I feel, yeah. Running in a straight line. Uh, I I think, (laughs) I I think I'm, I might get in under double digits. Uh, Give me a good start and I can probably do the 40 in under 10 seconds. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, be good. To I gotta be well. Stre- I gotta be well stretched out to uh, yeah. to pull it off. That's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you put together uh, a, a team of uh, of ex, uh, that's that a really sense. good
2: question. We'll do. <laughs> like there's
1: there's, there's some ex NFLers that you've seen and, and yeah, you, you, you take some photos. I'm not going to name any names, but you take a photo with an ex NFLer and that and you, and you go. There is a certain segment of the population that will see this picture. And they're going to speculate if you say one of these two players is a former NFLer, and you'll say, yes. there might be twenty percent that think." It's I got to shut.
0: I got to shut. That's it.
1: That's exactly it. Because they've just maybe they were a lineman, maybe they've let themselves go a little bit. But you never know. Like you just like I, I often think that that you could take Will Gavin is a guy. Uh, there, there you go, right there. Who who it, looks like at one point in time that's an all-pro edge rusher. That's an all-pro <laughs> edge rusher for a, for a five-year span. But, but just, well, but, you know, it's just in injuries. It cost him a lot. Injuries career.
0: cost him. Yeah, and a brief a cup <laughs> of coffee in the XFL. And the, um, the nicest tweet I ever got, I think, was there was a picture of, I was doing an interview with Odell Beckham and there was a picture that, uh, that someone took, uh, and called us off camera at a moment. And somebody, to pushed it out on Twitter and somebody tweeted back saying, you look like the aging veteran quarterback that's coming back for one more year to try and get a ring. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. I will take that for sure. You, uh, um, you have
1: to take that. Yeah, the, you, yeah it, for all of us to remain as perpetually young as Ryan Fitzpatrick looks, it's like even shaving yes. off the, uh, the ZZ Top-esque beard. I still think he looks like 28 when he's 38. <laughs> he's, uh, it's, a lucky, it's a lucky set of genetics he's got rolling with.
0: Uh, now, don't forget, if you want to follow Greg on Twitter, speak at Twitter, at uh, Greg T O is how you follow the big man. We'll be a regular all through the offseason for us, of course, and rolling into next year. Always good to catch up with you, bud.
1: Oh, can't wait till those fixtures come out. We'll go game by game by game for all 32 teams. That's my favorite show when we do
0: that. Oh, you love that one, do You're Done deal. <laughs> you locked and loaded. Harry is making a note right now. We'll see you next time. Take care, bro. Thanks, Nat. Lovely stuff from Greg. We'll be hearing from him very, very soon and we're going to move things swiftly along now. And welcome back to the show, one of our regulars. Who else to talk XFL but the excellent Tom Luganbilt? Tom, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Rolling, rolling, rolling. The XFL yeah. is rolling. You know what i noticed for the first time? This is how uh, much I, I lack any kind of keen observation all of the time. The first time I think I noticed, first time I noticed this season with the XFL broadcast is that, uh, on the graphic on the screen with the score is also the gambling line, which I hadn't actually yeah. noticed until week week four. That's how perceptive I am. But it got me thinking. I mean, interesting that that, that, that are all the networks doing that. So you guys, Fox, everybody's doing that, right? Showing yeah, uh, every,
2: everybody's doing it. It's something that the broadcast networks and the XFL got together and said, you know what, we're not going to work around this. We're going to promote it. You know, mm. this is part of our society now. It's yeah. legal. It really caters to the younger crowd. And and fans embrace it. So why fight it? And that's kind yeah. of the approach everybody took.
0: It's interesting. Cause it's an interesting time, of course, with the uh, the continued legalization on a national scale of gambling and, and the NFL looking at that keenly. So do you see that as a one of those things that, and we've talked about a few of them already, haven't we, this season, that are being road tested, experimented with in terms of the XFL that the NFL are watching and seeing how what the reaction is and might well adopt themselves in the forms of time?
2: I don't think there's any question and not just the lines, not just the over/unders, not just the money line, but how the line and everything shifts throughout the course of a game. Right. You know, we'll be in the third quarter and we'll reference where things were before the game and how Caesars now has it in the third quarter and yeah. the interest that that generates. I think that's something that the NFL is is clearly having to study and and see where where it could possibly fit.
0: Yeah, that is fascinating. What about fantasy? Because I I saw TMR said uh, in the build-up to the season that he was going to set up a a fantasy XFL league. So is that going strong?
2: You know what? I haven't heard too much by way of fantasy in terms of people's involvement and really the trust that it's a wise thing to do right now. And what I mean by that is, So much of fantasy football is based off of production and numbers Mm. and quarterback play and, you know, receivers having 100-yard games and two touchdowns and so on and so forth. I don't know if there's been enough established names, playmakers, that would give fantasy football fans true confidence because they don't know enough about the teams and the players. Not to say that it's not something that's viable for this game. It certainly is. But, for example, you know, there's three or four quarterbacks everybody'd like to have. Well, that doesn't leave enough for everybody else if you want to be productive in fantasy football the way the league currently stands right now.
0: You know what? Let's get into quarterbacks off the back of that. Uh, Quite a few different stories flying around that I want to get your perspective on. Starting with Landry Jones, because the big game of the weekend, of course, just gone, that is, was the Houston-Dallas matchup. Houston taking it 27-20 and a tough day at the office for Landry Jones. Three picks in the first half. He fumbled towards the end of the game in the fourth quarter and, and then went off injured. So what's the latest on on him, first of all, in terms of injury status? How serious is that?
2: Well, it's pretty crazy, first and foremost, the performance side of things. When you mm. look at Landry Jones and our data people have broken it down, and you look at his first-half performance versus his second-half performance, It's like an entirely different guy comes out of the locker room. Mm. It's really strange. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know why there's such ineffectiveness to start out through the first two quarters, and then he plays really well in the last two quarters. Didn't play well enough uh, against a team like Houston, who, by the way, is plus nine, plus nine in turnover margin. That's why Houston's undefeated. We can talk all we want about P.J. Walker and Cam Phillips and the job they've done. They've been very, very productive but quite simply they haven't given the ball to the other team and and that's really Great the step. difference between yeah between Houston and and everybody else i don't know right now where things stand with landry jones injury wise i know earlier in the week he was listed as questionable uh going into this week that was 3 days ago uh so it's going to be interesting to see what his his availability is because despite his mistakes there is a difference in the offense between him and philip nelson under center
0: Mm. Well, they uh, couldn't get it done. So as you say, uh, Houston running the show at the moment. Um, another quarterback situation I wanted to get your perspective on, uh, which I guess is it, I don't know if it's the, no, it's definitely not the first quarterback controversy because New York have had about 11 different quarterbacks so far yeah. since, since the start of the season. But Seattle uh, have got some questions to, to answer, don't they? And decisions to make. Brandon Silvers seemed to be their go-to guy, but he had a, a pretty bad day at the office. BJ Daniels came in. And and looked more like the real deal. So, which way do you think Seattle are going to go moving forward?
2: Well, as we all as we all know, everybody loves the backup quarterback, right? That's the favorite player on the team, and he comes in, (laughs) he provides a spark, and everybody loves him. And now he should be the guy. And last week, and I've got Seattle in Houston. In Houston this weekend, um, B.J. Daniels will be the quarterback for Seattle. But not only did he give him a spark. He, I think, created an element to their offense that they were lacking with Brandon Silvers, and that is the ability to make plays with his feet and with his legs when things aren't ideal. I think it gives Jim Zorn the opportunity to move the pocket, change the launch point for the quarterback so that the pass rush doesn't always know where he's at on each and every play. So maybe it makes their offense a little bit more dynamic. Seattle's a pretty good team on defense. They've got a lot of veteran, top-level players, and it's really why they've been able to keep themselves engaged. They just haven't been able to show any sustained consistency on the offensive side of the ball, and that's what they're going to need on the road uh, if they hope to compete with, with Houston. And listen, I had Houston and Tampa Bay two weeks ago, and if you recall, Tampa came into that game 0-2. They'd given the ball to the other team, led the league in turnovers, but against Houston, outside of the last drive of the game, They didn't turn the ball over, and it was a one-possession game. That's how evenly matched all of these teams are. So if Seattle goes into Houston, and they don't give the ball to Houston, you're going to have a tight game in the second half because the rosters are so highly
0: competitive in Mm -hmm. terms of having very similar level of
2: talent.
0: Which is what is uh, making the XFL compelling to to watch. And another thing I noticed, uh, something distinctive really about – the the XFL in terms of reporting, very simple thing again, but you look at the standings and there is, and football fans over here, soccer fans over here will relate to this. There's a touchdowns four touchdowns against in, in, in the standings, certainly in the XFL official ones. And uh, that highlights things that perhaps you don't necessarily see emphasized uh, in, in the NFL. And you look at Houston, they've given up 11 touchdowns. That's the second most in the entire league. It's
2: the second most in the entire league because they have, a quality defense, they don't have a dominant defense. The way they're masking that is quite simply maintaining possession of the ball and scoring points on offense. If Houston, I can tell you right now, if Houston took their plus nine turnover advantage and their turnover ratio and cut it in half, and let's just say they were plus five, I think Houston would have at least one loss Mm -hmm. because the defense isn't a dominant unit. It's a quality unit. The offense has afforded them the ability, by not giving the ball to the other team, having P.J. Walker, having Cam Phillips, having that offense score at will, it always keeps them one possession away. It always keeps them one possession ahead, and that's how they've been able to do that. No other team in the XFL, the only other team that's close, and they happen, in my opinion, to be the second-best team, is St. Louis. Mm. St. Louis and their philosophy is to run the football, use Jordan Ta'amu, He's played phenomenal football in the second half. They've been able to create takeaways on defense and limit turnovers on offense, which has put them kind of in that same level with Houston.
0: Well, they're top of the East. And, uh, but what I'm getting from this is it's still absolutely wide open. So the, those yeah. who are looking, you know, anecdotally, a cursory glance at the standards of the key the roughnecks. Uh, yeah, they might be top of the power rankings, but it's certainly not a runaway, uh, a runaway battle by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I want to get a line from you, Tom, because he's a player that our fans, uh, who uh, listen, our listeners rather, NFL fans will know very well. Of course, given his heritage, given his stock, Matt Elam, who uh, was a former first-round pick, of course, yeah. released by the DC Defenders, who were in a real funk. They uh, blown out by the Vipers on Sunday. The second straight shutout for them, isn't it? I think they're absolutely uh, falling off a cliff right now. And Matt Elam is the uh, is one of the casualties there. It was surprising. When I was reading the story and then looking back at the game that he had against Tampa Bay, he played pretty well, didn't he? It seems to to be an interesting choice. What have you heard about this? So
2: here's what I generally take away from those types of roster transactions. When you're on a skid, things aren't going well, you're not only losing, but you're getting blown out. If that starts to bleed over into disruptive locker room affairs and chemistry issues – That's the one thing I would point to. I can't confirm that, but having spent time as a coach, spent time in a player, spent a lot of time in a locker room at the collegiate professional level, if you have a disruption because things aren't going well, then maybe that's the direction that Pep Hamilton felt he needed to take and remove that element if it was no longer a positive influence on the rest of the locker room. They didn't – not only did they waive Matt Elam, They didn't replace him with another safety. They actually signed another corner Mm. to replace him. So they must feel good about their other safety options Mm. um, by who they added to the roster. But, again, listen, D.C. is a prime example of what I've talked about with Houston as it relates to turnovers, with Tampa as it relates to turnovers. You look at turnovers committed by D.C. in the first two weeks and look at it in the last two weeks. It's staggering.
0: Yeah, and they've got a tall order. The, as you said, I think uh, the Battlehawks heading uh, to D.C. this weekend. The other game we haven't mentioned uh, yet is uh, in L.A., of course. The Vipers uh, are playing the Wildcats. What's the situation in terms of uh, coronavirus? It's obviously a, a hot topic uh, through many parts of the globe in relation specifically to, to sporting events as well being cancelled. We're seeing in Italy a lot of the Serie A games cancelled, being played mm-hmm. behind closed doors. The Italy-England Six Nations game uh, getting cancelled, and given uh, the news that California has declared a state of emergency, the XFL have said that at the moment it's not going to affect things. But can you anticipate that might change?
2: Um, I, I, I don't know if they're going to see any change. Obviously, I'm not a medical professional, but I know this. You know, the the continued uh, approach to monitor this, monitor the spread of it, just to kind of give you some numbers on where we're at in the United States. There have been 11 confirmed death deaths due to the coronavirus in a country of over 300 million people, 11, right. most of those elderly. Since November in our country here in the United States, since November, 12,000 people have died of the flu, 12,000. Yeah. So we seem to be having this approach about the coronavirus that might be a little overinflated. And I think yeah. people uh, with, with level heads and clear minds are saying, hey, listen, let's monitor this thing let's make sure we continue to send the message of of hand washing and 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 obviously purell and antibacterial soap and all those sorts of things but i don't think anybody wants to create this huge public panic attack if there really isn't cause for it i think this is more cautionary we've seen a little bit of this in the united states outside of the xfl with some college basketball teams and conferences yeah. um not finishing out the rest of the season but so far uh, no impact at the professional level
0: of sport in our country. Interesting. And, and it, I, I echo your sentiment, really. I think this is, in, in many respects, quite a self-fulfilling prophecy and self-perpetuating, that, that not to uh, you know, undermine, the obviously, as you referenced, the deaths and those particularly vulnerable people to, to the virus, but to put it in perspective, it's interesting that the reaction in some instances to uh, what is happening statistically. But uh, I think one of the right. problems is we have no idea – quite how it's going to play out and uh and right. be uh, watching that space keenly one more for you tom before we go the guardians uh who played the wildcats last weekend of course and eked out a win There was uh, a close one 17 14 so they improved now to 500 uh and the guardians i guess because of the way they started the season because they're a new york team uh because of the uh the buzz about them a, a team that I've kind of adopted as watching quite closely, and, and much like many of the other teams, can't quite work out which is the real team here. Have you, after yeah. four games, worked out just how good or otherwise this New York team is?
2: They're a talented roster that I think finally has found some stability at quarterback by going with Luis, Luis Perez. And I said when we came on air last week in that contest, one of the reasons why this was such a critical move is because of Luis's personality. Right, He doesn't get caught up in the highs. He doesn't get caught up in the lows. He's a very steady, calming force. And this is a team that has struggled in the offensive line. They've become a bit volatile and at the same time fragile. And what they didn't need is a a demonstrative personality at the quarterback position when things don't go well. They needed a calming force at the quarterback position. And what you saw was this team never became erratic. They never panicked. Even if they had a couple of series where things weren't going well – Because of the quarterback's demeanor, it kind of kept them on an even keel. I think that's why they won the football game. And, you know, it was a cold day. They handled the elements well. They need to build on Luis Perez and build around him because he brings some things to the table that I think they were lacking before. And maybe it's perfect timing for New York, especially, as you mentioned, Taking on Dallas, you don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. So if you go into a contest and you have the more steady hand under center, maybe that gives Kevin Gilbride and his staff an advantage.
0: Right. And uh, we mentioned D.C. and free fall at the moment. So the Guardians have a great opportunity to uh, create some daylight and space in terms of the the playoff race. Uh, Great stuff, Tom. As you mentioned, uh, your game will be live on uh, ESPN uh, UK, of course, ESPN Player. If you want to watch all of the XFL action there, enjoy it. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll check in with you next week. we Will do. Thanks, man. (laughs) Really enjoy the chats with Tom. Great addition to our team and loving the XFL and the broadcasting as well. If you haven't checked it out yet, just give it a whirl, because outside of the football itself, just the way that the games are reported, Tom is right in the thick of things on the sidelines, going up to players, coaches, right after plays have happened and getting reaction. It is super stuff, really brave broadcasting, actually. And I'm loving what, not just ESPN, Fox, everybody involved with it, the way that they are covering the game is really, really intriguing. And it'll be fascinating to see how much the NFL adopts from that side of it, if nothing else. Right then, that is all she wrote for us this week. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't already, I'm sure you haven't if you're listening to the show, but if you haven't, uh, subscribe to us or wherever you're listening to the show so you won't miss a trick if you have time. Drop us a nice review on the platform. It makes Harry, the producer, happy if nothing else, and that I don't just creates this equilibrium in the show. Easy for me to say, which uh, which puts everybody in a good place. So if you want to do do something kind, leave a nice message for the show. We appreciate it, and we'll be back same time, same place next week with more football goodness. See you then. Bye for now.
2: Podcast Network.